Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 10 of Web Labs. We've hit the uh, the double digits, which I guess that's not really a big deal, but um, hey, it's it's something, I guess, right? Uh, today, we're going to be bringing uh, the, that other Spider-Man into our Beyond Web here, so uh, how about we just get right into it? This is Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 81. It had a February 2022 cover date and a legacy number of 882. Story is Beyond Chapter 7, written by Saladin Ahmed, or Ahmad, um, Art, Carlos Gomez, Colors, Brian Valenza, Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna, The BBs are Thompson, Ziegler, Ahmed, Gleason, and Wells. Edits, Kohik, McGehee, Lo Sabolsky, cover price 4 bucks. This one went on sale December the 15th of 2021. We open with our standard uh, single-page spread of ketchup and cred. Uh, not a whole lot to report from it, uh, since we are kind of just rolling along here. Uh, we open our story at Beyond, where Marcus is showing Ben an image of a monster calling itself Rhizome. Now, it's kind of a, you know, big humanoid homunculus-looking thing, and it's been wrecking havoc in Brooklyn. Its hide appears to be bulletproof, and its punches are as strong as Ben Grimm's. And so, just as soon as Ben is done sucking down his nasty protein shake, he's going to be headed to my home borough. And it's, uh, it's worth noting, I've drank a lot of nasty bad protein shakes over the past couple of years, so I can completely sympathize with poor Mr. Riley's gag reflex here. Now, before Ben can jam, Marcus reminds him about the cease and desist that Beyond has out against that other Spider-Man, who, you know, mostly appearing in Brooklyn, Marcus is fairly certain will cross Spider-Ben's path during this outing. And he instructs Ben to uh, enforce Beyond's trademark, which uh, Ben says sounds ominous, and uh, I agree. Now, he assures Ben that he's not joking about this. they got to protect the intellectual property. This is of the utmost import to Beyond. And so Ben jams, and uh, the next we see he's chatting up Janine. Now, she already seems to know that this is going to be a short visit, seeing as though there is a monster stomping around Brooklyn. Uh, Ben talks about how much he's grown of late. Uh, Once he would be annoyed to have someone worried about him. He he claimed to have been macho back in the long ago. Uh, Whereas now he realizes just how lucky that makes him to have act, have someone at home actually worried about him. And it's worth noting, uh, aste- aesthetically anyway, uh, Ben's body proportions here are like all over the place. Uh, he goes from being very lean to very muscular, and there's even a panel here that makes him look kind of obese. It's, it's odd. Anyway, off we go. Ben uses a Beyond Brand jetpack to hurry his way over the East River. And I'm sure if this were a Jed McKay issue, it would have some cute and wildly unfunny trademark name. Thankfully, it's not, so we don't get that. Marcus tells Ben not to get used to traveling in such style, as one as this one trip burned more jet fuel than a luxury jet would, which I guess is kind of a bummer. Shortly, Spider-Ben arrives in Bed-Stuy to get a sit-rep from the first responders. None of whom seem all that impressed to be in the presence of a bona fide superhero, probably because, well, you know, they're, they're all busy first responding. Before long, and as predicted, that other Spider-Man appears on the scene. And you know, this is the first time I'm seeing old Miles in a while. His costume here is, uh, something else. It's got, like, this, like, windbreaker gimmick that's, like, zipped up to, like, cover the bottom half of his face. Uh, I... I don't really care for that. Uh, it doesn't look like it'd be like the most advantageous thing to wear when you're out fighting bad guys. It seems like there's too many things you can pull on, you know? And, and it doesn't even look cool. You know, sometimes 
we can excuse it. It's like, okay, well, that looks stupid. Like, uh, what is it? Like, Electra's uh, current Daredevil costume. You look at that, and you're just like, wow, that looks cool, but uh, totally stupid in a fight. <laughs> There's just too many sashes and things that can be grabbed, and it just, uh, things that can get caught on fire. It's, I don't know, but uh, at least that looks cool. This here really doesn't, at least not in my opinion. It might just be the Windbreaker. Maybe that's not something he usually wears, but it doesn't look great here. Anyway, Miles calls Ben out on being an imposter, claiming that he knows Spider-Man's voice, and uh, while Ben's is close, it's not close enough to pass this smell test. Now, you see, this is doubly annoying for Miles, as he's kind of had it up to here with imposters of late. And a handy footnote reminds us that he just went through his own clone saga not too long ago, which, full disclosure, I have not read, but I do remember rolling my eyes at it when I found out it was going to be a thing. And again, I haven't read it. Could be the best thing in the world, but um, I'm just so tired of the retreads here. Everything, Not everything needs to be a reference to something else. You know, I, I love continuity. I love callbacks. But, I mean, there needs to be there needs to be more than just the callbacks and just the LOL reference, hey, do you remember this sort of a thing. Anyway, now Ben takes great offense to being referred to as an imposter. We know that he has that, uh, he has that insecurity, right? So it's time to fight. Not only fight, though, they also banter, during which Ben lets it slip that Peter is in the hospital. And he actually says Peter, you know. Now this reveals to Miles that this Spider-Man must actually know the real deal Spider-Man. You gotta assume that Ben's a little bit relieved here that Miles also knows, so he didn't, you know, spill any unnecessary beans. Uh, ben says that he's kind of like Pete's estranged brother, which I guess isn't... Well, it's not true, but it's not entirely untrue either. Uh, Miles asks for an update. You know, Pete's in the hospital. What's going on? And Ben says, well, that's a long story and he'll have to wait, but it has something to do with the Beyond Corporation. Now, Miles recognizes that name because they are the goofs who've been rattling his cage over, like, copyright infringement or whatever of late. Just then, a large wall comes flying toward our heroes, which they catch and uh, relatively gently placed down. They then decide to team up and look for the homunculus who threw it at them. Now at this point, Ben claims to sorta kinda recognize Ben, and a footnote tells us that, yes, they have, in fact, briefly met during one of the 8,500 Spider-Verse crossovers that have plagued these books over the past half-decade. Now, if you want to know which one, it's uh, Spider-Geddon. I I couldn't tell you when that happened, where that happened, which Marvel Earth that happened on, but, uh... Spider-Geddon is what you type into your Marvel Unlimited if you want to check that out. So, with our Marvel meet-cute behind us, let's get to our actual fight. And uh, Miles and Ben, they fight the Rhizome for, like, four pages. And uh, they're forced to use their powers in tandem, which is, you know, pretty much the paint-by-number for this sort of story. Not a bad thing, just not terribly novel, not that everything needs to be. When they manage to take the monster down, its hide kind of falls apart, revealing that underneath it all, it's just some dude. Now, Miles claims to recognize this sort of power set, I guess. Um, He says that it's tech that he's run in with before. A guy, or a computer program, known as The Aggressor. An editorial footnote tells us where to read more about him, and hey, it's almost like we're reading a comic book. Great job, editors, and and I say that sincerely. Now, it's here where our heroes decide to go their separate ways, because they both got stuff to do. Ben's gonna report this back to Beyond, And Miles is going to follow the trail and try to shut this down for good. The aggressor, that is. Now, as Ben swings off, he calls Miles Spider-Man, which is to say he's not all that interested in the old cease and desist. 
Now, we follow Ben as he returns home. We'll, we'll check in with Miles next episode. But uh, here, with Ben, uh, instead of running into Janine or Marcus back at the house, he meets up with old Helmethead, Maxine Dangerhair. We learn that Marcus is currently undergoing disciplinary action due to his being a bit lax in keeping Ben in line and on task. Now, you see, Maxine expects everyone to follow their objectives to an absolute T. Ben asks if uh, he was supposed to beat up a teenage hero. He's like, is that what you wanted me to do? Well, Maxine doesn't even dignify that with an answer. She doesn't respond. She just stares a hole in our hero. She then reminds him of everything that Beyond has done for him. They've given him personal training, therapy, all sorts of gadgets, expensive real estate, and they even sprung Janine from the pen. She says they believe in him. They think he could be a hero. And she asks if he's willing to throw everything away. Ben doesn't get the opportunity to respond because from here we jump to our wrap-up a little bit later on. Or maybe it was earlier. I don't know. Uh, Maxine is being addressed by some suit who confirms that Doc Ock is about to become a problem. To which Maxine retrieves and presents a canister full of... Baked ziti? I don't, I don't know. It's it's noodly. Maybe it's tentacles. Uh, the art isn't all that clear. I think this might be the reveal that the homunculus was a Beyond product. Uh, it kind of looks like the mess of whatever the hell was left after the Spider-Man beat him up. Though, honestly, I could be mistaken. I think that's where it's going to be, though. I mean, if we refer to O'Comics Razor, where it's, you know, the obvious thing is what it's going to be. It's got to be what it is, right? But we will see as we continue our way through. Uh, next episode, though, we're going to be taking a break from The Amazing, and we're going to follow up on Miles' story thread in MMSM33. But of course, that is next time. For now, let's talk about uh, this issue, which I had a great deal of fun with. I thought this was a really a fun story. And um, it, it's so weird uh, to read this alongside the X-Books. And, and I've made this comparison before, where the X-Books are more hurry-up-and-wait, whereas it feels like there aren't very many wasted pages in this Beyond storyline. Of course, you know, there are the, you know, the splash pages that'll make a $4 book a $5 book that we've talked about. But I mean, relatively speaking, there isn't a whole lot of wasted movement here. You know, not, nothing really feels like it's not going to come back around. And I mean, just last episode, we talked about the uh, 80.bey where, you know, Doc Ock's getting involved. We got the impression that, actually, we got the confirmation that Beyond has these shell companies that they're working through. And here we uh, we have Spider-Ben and Miles against this homunculus that we find out, at least I think we found out at the very end of this issue, is a product of Beyond or Infinite Solutions. I think that's a pretty cool thing, and it's a neat follow-up. It doesn't overshadow the rest of the book, but it's uh, it's an extra little bit that moves the story forward. As I mentioned last time, it feels like the battle lines are being drawn, and uh, this is just a little bit more fuel for that fire. So I really dig that. Um, this Maxine Danger, I mean, you look at her and you just hate her guts. So <laughs> I think she makes for a really good, um, a really good foil. For our hero um, Whereas uh, I think you know Initially, before we met Maxine I, I thought that, th that our big bad was going to be This Marcus Pompilier guy But Marcus is actually coming across As a rather likable fellow Rather affable and agreeable guy So I like that I like how we're kind of We're not really learning a whole lot more about him But we're seeing that he can be reasoned with And we're seeing that uh, There might be a bond between he and Ben Where he's willing to stick his neck out 
and uh, also suffer the uh, the consequences. Apparently, he is undergoing some sort of a uh, disciplinary action. You know, all because he wouldn't, all because he was a little bit lax in his duties in you know keeping um, Spider Man, Spider Ben on on task. Let's shift gears over to uh, Spider Ben and his uh, his existential crisis and his. His odd maturation. Um, we saw that little scene, and it was a very brief scene, but it was—it really said everything it needed to say. In didn't really overstay its welcome. Uh, he was talking with Janine, and uh, she's like, "You know, I'm worried. You know, I, I, how can I not be worried?" And he says, or he just—he uh, admits that there was a time where he'd be a bit annoyed to hear that because he—he he called it machoism, but I think, I think there's more to it than that. Um, and I might be projecting my own insecurities onto Ben here, but uh, part of me can understand that, you know, quote-unquote machoism, um, in that, you know, sometimes you want to succeed or fail on your own. You know, or actually, you don't want to fail on your own. You want to succeed on your own. You want to win, you know. You want to have something that you can claim as your own. And I, and I might be, you know, crossing wires here, but... You know, there are some times where that's what you need at the end of the day. You need a personal win, an individual win. So we have him saying that, you know, I would be annoyed if someone was, like, rooting for me, if someone was caring and worrying. But now, you know, he has matured to the point where he realizes just how lucky that makes him. And, you know, when you think about things rationally, and you maybe you take ego out of the equation, um, yes, I, I totally agree. You know, I have people in my life who care about me, and I can totally relate to what Ben's saying here, where it's like, sometimes you just want to take full ownership of your exploits, which is silly. It's silly, but it's a, it's human, right? It's a human, it's a human emotion to have. It's a human urge. But, you know, when you, when you take things like ego out of the equation and you begin to think more rationally, you realize just how strong, you know, a support structure can make you. And here we have Ben, you know, I didn't realize how lucky I was until I got out of my own way. And I think that's a really cool, a really cool revelation for him not only to have, but to share on panel. And, and, and the fact that they didn't waste a whole lot of time with it, it's a, it was a good one. It was a very good scene, and I really appreciated seeing it here. And just as soon as Ben is starting to, like, make peace with, with everything in his life and all the pieces in his life, we have Miles referring to him as an imposter a few pages later which really <laughs> triggers up some emotions for him, which, again, I really liked. I thought that was very well done. Now, keeping with Miles, I really liked how Miles was included in this story. I liked the banter between he and Ben. I appreciated how once all the dust settled, they treated each other as equals. Because, uh, I mean, this is one of the things that really drove me away from Marvel back in 2015-2016. Uh, Anytime they brought a young hero onto the page... It seemed to be so they could just show up and have everybody on the page stop doing what they were doing and devote all of their dialogue to telling these young new heroes just how cool they were. That seemed to be it. Everything was like very congratulatory. It was terribly unsubtle, and it made pretty much all of our legacy heroes look like geeks. And I think that's something that Miles has mostly been able to sidestep uh, throughout his time. Uh, I, I more attribute that sort of thing to like a, a Ms. Marvel or that new Wasp. But that said, I was just happy to see that uh, Miles wasn't completely schooling poor Spider-Man here. As I was, 
sort of kind of bracing for it. <laughs> and I was very, very pleased to see that that was not the case. And that makes me uh, very optimistic about uh, the next episode where we're going to look at an issue of Miles' own book. But I think that's about all I have to say about this issue here. I was very, very pleased with it. And it makes me realize that like the only problem I have with these Beyond books are the fact that they come out with such frequency. Because I... I have trouble, like, uh, anytime anybody tells me they bought something on my recommendation, I kind of feel, I don't know, I kind of feel weird. Like, uh, like I made you spend money, or you spent money because of something I said. And, you know, with the X-Books, that's one thing. With, you know, if you're just going to buy Hellions, like, I always say buy Hellions. That's one book a month. It's four bucks. Okay. But the Spider-Man books, I mean, that we're, look, we're looking at, like, 20 bucks a month. So, you know, sometimes more with the tie-ins. So... It's hard for me to make the recommendation to buy these books because it's kind of a chunk of change that uh, can very, very quickly add up and uh, really wind up costing you a whole lot of money that I can't in good conscience tell anybody to spend or even recommend somebody spend. But I will say, if you are interested in these books and you do try them out, I'm fairly confident that you will enjoy them and you won't regret your purchases. But uh, that's about as uh, safe a recommendation as I can give, I think. Uh, pretty good at uh, straddling that fence. So um, really good story. Really enjoying it. Looking forward to more. And uh, I hope you guys are as well. But I think that's where I'll put a pin in it for today. I would love to hear your thoughts on uh, on these books, the X books, any books, any anything, anything in the world. <laughs> Please feel free to reach out. We're also going to be coming up on X-Lapsed episode 300, which I'm planning to release on the 31st of January to tie in with uh, the Chris's on Infinite Earth's 6th anniversary. Six years daily uh, content from yours truly, and uh, I think X-Lapsed episode 300 hitting that same day is, uh, well, it takes two milestones, uh, you know, off my plate, and also makes it, uh, I don't know, maybe makes it seem all that more celebratory. So if you have anything you want to say about X-Lapsed, the X-Books, current, past, anything, Please, please, I encourage you to reach out. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can give a call to the voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head to chrisoninfiniteearths.com. You can also chat us up and join the conversation on Facebook. Our little group is 90sXmen. Of course, for the complete audio archives of something like 800, 900 episodes right now, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com or just search for Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill or any of the show titles here on any search aggregation thing, and I'm sure you'll find us pretty easily. And of course, uh, finally, there is the Patreon. If you want to support the program, you can head over to patreon.com slash xlapsed. There you'll find some behind-the-scenes stuff, some exclusive audio and written content, a great group of folks to chat with, and uh, much, much more to come. But I think that's where we'll leave it for now. I would love to thank you all so much for spending some of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya!